Welcome to the Zwift SBS podcast. Zwift is the app that turns indoor training into a game. With structured workouts, training plans and massive online group rides to make your training fun. Because fun is results. Fun is fast. Go to Zwift.com and start your free trial. Bonjour, 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 and welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Uh, before we start, let me uh, remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Joining me is Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? Oh, good afternoon. Yeah. I am very happy. I, you know, I, I had an excuse, a valid one, to... Come leave on. my 5k radius <laughs> you know yeah get true. out of get Give out of a good my excuse. suburb <laughs> um it's been a while it's been a while it's been a while yeah. and there's been plenty there's been a couple of big things happen so yeah I'm but we needed a break to... we needed a break after seeing you too long for... <laughs> who needed a break from who do you think most uh, do you think you needed one from me more yeah. or me from you maybe it's the operators here, the, the technical stuff <laughs> oh, the people here yeah i think you're right actually well we we absolutely trashed the conference room <laughs> We left our. I think they need to replace the carpets. Yeah, I think and... they're repainting. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, since we spoke, this happened. Julian Alaphilippe here. The grimace, Simon, is turning to a smile. And he's calling for the cheers. He's one of the most admired for good reason. He races with so much panache. He makes cycling fun. It's a long final few hundred metres, but he is soaking it in. Julien Alaphilippe is the world champion once again, and Alaphilippe has annihilated the rest. The good old Julian Alaphilippe is still world champion. You had and to you, start with that, didn't you? I, have, I mean, what else? I, this is I the pod today. Jokes <laughs> aside, you had to start with that because <laughs> the guy was. There was some phenomenal rides across all of the the age categories and men's and women's, of course. Um, but Alaphilippe, he back to back world champ. What a star. Do you know what? I'm probably one of his biggest fans ever. Yeah. And I would not, I'll be lying if I said I predicted it. Uh, For me, it was not the course for him. It was always going to be too hard. I mean, I was hoping and dreaming, but I didn't believe it until. Is this when you can give, tell me if you Mm. don't do or don't want to. And uh, (laughs) Kath Will and our producer, she's witness to this because we're on a three-way chat. And with about, I think about 70 kilometers to go, I said, BTW, yeah. Philippe has not touched the pedals. Mm-hmm. Did I did I say that? Hundred percent, hundred percent. But, I, but I before I... that, we were talking about everyone else, weren't yeah. we? Wout Van Aert, Will Vanderpoel, you know, produce something special post his back injury from mm-hmm. Olympics. But then we, you forget about the guy who's the current defending champion, yeah. And, yeah. and also the team. Let's let's face out uh, and let's talk about it. And uh, and I'll flag the flag here. Yes, I will. Yeah. Uh, just because that French yeah, team, the, the Aussie passports, <laughs> well and truly buried well, in the bottom it's drawer. It's actually holding the ladies table, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's holding the table straight. <laughs> At the minute, it is. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, let's talk about the French team because on paper it was a great team. But what they did on the road, uh, I know we talk about the Belgium team and and how they ripped up the the, the race apart completely but the French really controlled that race really well yes they did look and I think the ones the one standout moment for me because you're not really analyzing all of the work by each individual at the time it's sort of post when you when you when you dissect it all but Cosnefoy I think it was um he was a real standout for me um, just in terms of setting it up for Philippe. Madouas as well uh, yeah well yeah and you're probably watching them 
the French guys a lot closer than I was. But um, yeah, look, they were. I think what they had, and it's by no means diminishing what they did, but because you still got to step up and do it. But they were able to slide under the radar, and it's crazy when you think mm-hmm. about it. And I don't mean as in they weren't noticed, but they didn't have to do a huge amount of work early because the Belgians took it all up, and we we will delve into that more. But no, I think they were super, and and you know you mentioned their DS. Yeah, um, Thomas Vaucler, which Thomas we, Vaucler. we all know. Two years uh, running now. Yeah, yeah, and and he actually did a very good result as well. When Bardet finished third, I think, uh, when Valverde won, yeah. he was also the DS there. So if you look on paper, you know, third, and then now... Two victories. Yeah, two victories. Never, ever, ever a French rider was uh, back-to-back world champion. It's never happened. Never, never happened. Now, there's been world, wow. cha- there's been world champion, never back-to-back for yeah. a French rider. Yeah, I was going to say uh, Luc Leblanc, no, uh, ne- never, Brochard, never. Laurent Brochard. There's two Frenchmen I remember. I know my stats. Yeah. <laughs> never ever no, that's a French true. rider wow. went back-to-back. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, interesting. And then, Is uh, he the biggest name? In cycling? In the world? Take yeah. out Tadej Pogacar. <laughs> but uh, on a, on a race-per-race excitement level, is... Julian Alaphilippe, and for our listeners, I guess post your comments in. Mm-hmm. Is he the is he the biggest it's star a good point. at it's the a moment good point. in the sport? I reckon he is, and, and also what we will see from him the whole of next year, I think will be super interesting because he said at the end, and we're not going to play any of the interviews from Alaphilippe because they're all in French, and mm. I can't be bothered subtitling to be honest <laughs> <laughs> or dubbing. Yeah, just just uh, paraphrase. It for us. I'll paraphrase. Yeah. It's easier, but uh, basically he's saying now I know what a year in. The Rainbow Jersey is so next year. I think he'll become a lot more relaxed. He had, he already had he the weight. Still, I mean, he was still he he, he yeah, completely killed the the theory of you know the curse of the rainbow. Mm-hmm. And in cycling, we say you know mm-hmm. they don't win a they don't win a race in the following year because they're sort of marked out of so many races wearing that famous rainbow jersey. But mm-hmm. if anyone killed that theory, it was him this year. Yeah, hundred so, percent. And and yeah, so I think I think next year will be interesting. And I'll put my my hat in there. How long do we have to wait until he has a crack at the Tour de France? And I know it's about getting the team. It's about getting everything right to, for him to do it. Will he ever want to, though? Well, we've, we've, uh, we've discussed this before. Will yeah, he ever but want I, to? I, rec- I reckon, of course, he wants to. Will yeah. he, does, he, does he have the capacity to do it? It's different. But look, look at it this way. No French rider have won the Tour de France since 1985. All right, don't, so let me rephrase don't then. You, don't you think he wants to be that guy? Yeah, but let me rephrase that then. Yes, Totally, he wants to have a crack at it. But is he prepared to forego an early part of the season and purely focus on the tour? Because he's such a racer. He'll race in March at Paris-Nice. He'll, you know, he'll race the Ardennes to win. He'll race Croatium de Dauphiné to uh, win. Uh, is uh, he prepared to forego? I reckon so. I, I, I truly believe. Yeah. I'm not saying next year. I'm not saying, but, you know, he's but young. I'd love to see him do it. He's young enough yeah. to be able to have a crack at it. And he's dynamic enough to go up against the likes of Pogacar yeah. and those guys, isn't he? And he needs I to think. have the route to go for him as well. He needs to have that 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 Tour de France that is a bit special for him to to not have the such massively high mountain, but mm. a lot of explosive. Yeah. Right. But let us know what you think. Should he have a crack any given year uh, on the on the, How on the old Tour is de he France? Now? I'm putting you on the spot. He's twenty nine. Yeah. So he's got he's got a few more years ahead of it. Well, he's got you could say I would say four more years mm-hmm. to maybe try and win the Tour. However. His sweet spot is right now. Yeah, like it, it. His sweet spot started eighteen months ago, 
and it's continuing on maybe for another couple of years. And think. also he needs the team around him. And yeah. is the roster a Dukinic and is Dukinic uh, prepared to do that for him? It's a, it's a different question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, look, they got themselves in that position with him two years ago. Yeah. He was what? Leading the race. Two days out. Two days out. So, and yeah, they, well and they delivered. Yeah. They, I think, I think they, they've got the roster because they're smart enough. They tactically ride smart. To, to Watch Koenig. this space. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the Belgians uh, before we talk mm. about the Aussies. Uh, just because I think the other interesting point of this World Championship in Belgium was the home team. Uh, really a game of two heads. You had the Wood van Aert clan and then you had Remco Evenepoel. Free, uh, free Remco. Free Remco. <laughs> uh, I think you had Eddie, big Eddie <laughs> yeah, but chimed do, in. Do you think, exactly, do you think if Eddie Merckx haven't said what he said before the race saying Remco Evenepoel is too selfish to win, he shouldn't be in this team, do you think if Eddie didn't say something like this, uh, therefore we could have had an opportunity more open from Remco Evenepoel? What happened there? Yeah. Something happened in that Yeah, team. look, uh, it's an interesting discussion and all the plenty of headlines from all your fish and chip um, media outlets yeah. cycling media outlets <laughs> now oh eddie 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 should be making a an apology remco did an amazing job and rah 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 yeah he did loads of work did loads of work he also went in two breakaways yeah yeah i know that probably his job he was driving two of the breakaways that he was in so i can't help but think there was a tiny bit of remco Hoping, of course, he would be. Yeah, it's totally obvious. Hoping the breakaway would stay away because then it gives him a chance. And I think in the end, he buried himself to the point where he wasn't going to even be present at the end because he sort of didn't. Want so, to question be. to you because I've asked you the question on the evening: Why was he doing this? Uh, completely emptying the tank where the the team had one minute forty seven. Yeah, they rode. I know, thought ahead of uh, the peloton. Well, to me, it started before that. Belgians. The Belgian team went, right, we're here to win. That's it. We're not here for silver, bronze. No team is, but mm. we're here to win. It's our home worlds. They took charge from the very beginning of the race. They didn't need to. Yeah. And it's it's this sort of traditional aspect of the sport where the host nation comes with a super strong team, obviously super motivation. But it doesn't mean you've got to sit on the front mm-hmm. for 200 plus kilometers. So they got on the front for a long time. Um, and then Remco went in a couple of the breaks. And at one point, you're right, he was he was still driving the brake. And he actually got frustrated. Remember with Nathan Haas at yeah, one yeah, point? Yeah. He'd win one of the early breakaways. Why would you be getting frustrated if all you're doing is playing a team role? Yeah, exactly. So I couldn't help but think that Remco, there was a part of him that still wanted to be the man. And it's and I'm not, it's natural. It's natural. The guy's a superstar. Mm-hmm. So then why didn't the Belgians, and this goes against what Eddie Merck said and maybe, well, t- certainly what their theory was, they should have actually gone in with a two-pronged attack. Remco was a solid, a solid plan B, mm-hmm. or an or or an A one. You know, yeah. you got an A an A plan A with Van Art, and he is your plan A. He's quicker than anyone. He's won on the Champs Elysees. He's won over Mont Ventoux. Yeah. So he's quicker and arguably as strong as anyone. And then you got Remco, who can just about cover everything else. They should have gone in with a two-pronged attack. Not done as much work early on. And at the very least, had Remco right there till the very end. Because at the very end, Wout van Aert was all left on his own. Yeah, completely. And they'd sat on the front for 200 kilometres. So what are all the other favourites doing when Philippe attacks? They're all looking at van Aert saying, will you chase? And if I can say, I've watched a bit of the Belgium coverage. Yeah. And 
earlier on they were saying exactly this. Right. They were questioning the what was the team doing because they were saying if Remco and Tunes, I think it was Tunes. Uh, Dylan Tunes, yeah. Dylan Tunes were burying themselves so deep, so early in yeah. the race. They were saying, you know, when it's going to come to the last two laps, Vout will be alone. And these guys, right, yeah. Dylan Tunes is a great rider in his own right. Not, not Look, he, he actually, as a real wild dark horse, he's a potential to win the world. But he was never going to get that position in that squad. However, he could have been there if they'd utilised him late in the race yeah. and he'd sat and sat and sat. He could have been there at the end to assist Van Aert. So I agree totally. I uh, think their the tactics were... De Klerk, Campenart. I mean, look at the Campenart's you can use early on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, De Klerk and Campenart's sort of mid-race and then whoever else was there, I can't remember. But, you know, it was it was classic outdated tactics. Yeah, you know, okay. I've talked about in the past, I've criticised Movistar. Yeah. Um, and look, in recent, did in the you? last 12 months, did they've you? been great. Yeah. <laughs> but they've been great, I think, in the last 12 months. A bit more dynamic, a bit more racing, rather than sitting on the front, riding tempo, you know, for three mm. hours. Um, but the, yeah, for the Belgians, I think it was that similar outdated tactic. And they got found out. Yeah. And, and look, they had a great team on paper, but you, you need to be still tactically ride smart. And, and that's why I messaged you 70 kilometres to go and said, by the way, the defending champion has not put his nose in the wind yet once. And neither had his teammates yeah. at that point. And, and actually, the French were all saying, we're going to go for Seneschal. We're going for Seneschal. Was it smoke and mirror, do you think? Well, uh, yeah. Uh, look, I could be wrong. Seneschal, yeah, in a sprint finish is obviously quick. But let's, come on, let's be fair. Philippe at his best. He can just about do anything. Having said this, uh, if something you may not have seen, but when uh, when he was on the interviewing chair, Philippe, there's Vaucler that comes in, give him a hug. But what is, what Vaucler says uh, and what Philippe says is quite funny because Philippe says, yeah, I'll translate here, but I'll paraphrase. But he said, yeah, I know it wasn't the plan, but hey, we did it. <laughs> and then the other one just went, you're a leaping champion. <laughs> so maybe that wasn't part of the plan. Yeah, maybe. I mean, look, the, I think the... At the end of it all, the wash-up of, of it all is that Alaphilippe attacked 20 kilometres to go. Put it into context, we're talking a super demanding race. It was like summer-like conditions as yeah. well. So it was really sort of odd temperature mm -hmm. for Belgium this time of the year. You could see riders cramping up. He's attacked at the end of 240 kilometres, 20 kilometres to go. It's not like they weren't chasing him. Yeah, They were trying. They got within eight seconds. And that was it. And he was shaking his head a couple of times, like, yeah. I can't go on. You know, you could see he was, but wow, he was that much better than anyone. Before we talked about uh, the Australian uh, results uh, from both men and women, but uh, the, the no radio on a world championship, do you agree it's good or not? Because he actually, I think, definitely played a big part. Yeah, played a, yeah, played a part. Yeah, we, yeah. And we, look, we just finished criticizing the Belgians and their yeah. tactics. However, there is a point that we said when that gap went out to one minute, 47 seconds um, and Remco was driving it, they wouldn't have known. Yeah. They wouldn't have known, not immediately. They might've known a bit later delayed, but that's when Remco could have sat up and saved legs. So yeah, race radios. I wasn't aware of it until the race got underway, by the mm -hmm. way. No, me um, neither. I, yeah. I didn't realize until uh, Matty Keen and I think, I think said it during the commentary. Um, so I don't know if I agree or disagree. Well, look, at the end of the day, we can't criticise it because, not not at least in this instance, because both men's and women's road champs were brilliant. I thought they yeah, were both yeah, absolutely. super. They were both super. So, you know, it worked. So you would argue that they won't come back next year 
and you, and you can argue there's a case to argue that they shouldn't come back mm-hmm. because hang on we just saw two great races yeah absolutely yeah uh, let's talk about the Aussies Michael Matthews was the the big hope alongside the Caleb Ewan yeah uh, let's listen to Michael Matthews he's frustrated yeah a lot of the big teams had had a rider in the front so I was trying to attack to get across but all the big teams have sat on me and uh, wouldn't let me go so yeah it's definitely uh, a missed opportunity I think I wouldn't be so frustrated if uh, if I had bad legs but the legs were really good so yeah it's definitely frustrating yeah I'm not exactly sure what happened Uh, through the race. Without radios, it's definitely difficult to know how all your teammates are, are feeling, but um, yeah, already in the first half of the race, we lost two guys. Uh, in the middle period, we lost another two guys. And then it was just down to, uh, I think, uh, me, Rob, and uh, Schultze in the, coming into the third phase. So, yeah. We didn't have the guys today, unfortunately. You can adjust the plan much more when you have radios and uh, you can uh, you can know how your teammates are feeling much better rather than searching through the peloton for them. But um, yeah, I think uh, we need to go back to the bus now and uh, assess what happened. I don't know. don't really know what to say, to be honest. There was Michael Matthews. I don't know if he's frustrated for this race only or for the whole year. It's, it's, it feels a bit like, you know, when you have too much vapor in a, or steam in yeah. a, in a, when you're cooking, you just take the lid off and he goes... Poof. Yeah, that's a yeah, good analogy. Um, look, he was 25th, six minutes behind. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I agree he said with he the, the fact that he... Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that. No? Look, we're not there turning the pedals with him, but when you're, when you're six minutes down on the winner... Sorry, there's a little bit more than tactics at, at play. That's what I think. So, yeah, look, I think he's been upbeat all year, and he's had a he's had a tough year, Michael. He's yeah. raced hard. He's had some great results, like as in he's had top threes, top fours, top fives mm-hmm. at, at the Grand Tours um, and other races, but he hasn't had a win. And it's his first year back with his Australian squad, yeah. where he started. Um, not sorry, not started his pro career because he, he started that at Rabobank, but. You know, he had some huge success with Green Edge previously. So I think he's just frustrated. And, yeah. and look, I think you've got a point. I think it's that, you know, too much steam. Yeah. Suddenly the lids come off and he he wants to find a, another reason or excuse for not a great result. But no, nah, if he was at a minute, yeah. if he was in the Wout Van Hart group, yeah, then you'd argue, okay, tactics have played a role here. He was six minutes back, mm-hmm. I think. You know, if you've got good legs, you're going to be in that that second group at least. And and honestly, when we look at the group that was with uh, you know Val Van Aert, when we look at that group, we call it the Val Van Aert uh, group. But uh, Matthew Evan, um, Matthew Van Der Poel was there as well. Uh, the Aussies with Michael Matthews were the the, the, the greatest losers. Honestly, they were not there. Nor Caleb, nor Michael. Yeah, Matthews were there. Uh, so earlier on, he was sort of lost pretty much earlier on for the race. Yeah, I mean they. Yeah, they look. It was a tough. Again, and it's not well. No, it's not an excuse for the Aussie guys, and I'm sure they don't. They won't. They'll take it on the chin. It looked like a tough race. Mm-hmm. Caleb, I looked at the clock when Caleb cramped up. That was 180 kilometers in. Yeah. So for a pro rider, you can argue that's not a long mm-hmm. way in. Like But Caleb's, that... Caleb's run podium at Milan San Remo, 300 yeah. kilometers, mm-hmm. 180 kilometers in. He's seizing up. So it was a tough, tough race. Yeah. Um, you know, it was. You saw it. 
and it was all little hills. It was all 200 meter climbs. It wasn't mm-hmm. anything. Yeah, you know, there's no three kilometer climbs in, yeah. in, in that part of Belgium. Mm-hmm. So let's debrief with uh, Rory Sutherland. Well, the race was amazing. I think uh, the crowds and everybody here in Belgium, it was, uh, it was really cool to see cycling at that level. Uh, you know, obviously the Australian team, you know, it wasn't what we were looking for in the end, which is unfortunate. Uh, but that's some good lessons moving forward and it gives us a good idea about, about what we need to do to, to get back to the next level. Yeah, you know, a lot of the guys did, did the job they were asked to do. Uh, if Michael doesn't have the legs in the end, he doesn't have the legs. Uh, I can't feel the race for him and, and some of the other guys. So when we get back to the bus and everyone's had a shower, I'm sure we can stop and uh, have a look at, at what went off in the race and, and yeah, just have a debrief. Yeah, you know, the final started really early, which is not usual for a world championship. Uh, but I did say to somebody or a few people that I'm really happy I retired last year when I saw it racing. It's really great to see it from TV, but sometimes in the race it's a little bit more painful. I think it's pretty hard to do an analysis straight after an event. Uh, I think what we'll do is we'll go back, like I said, and regroup and really have a look at uh, what, what went well and what didn't go well. You know, I think what it does give us is a good idea about where we're at at the moment and it shows that what we need to do or what we're missing to start to move forward and to improve and develop the, the rest of the talent that's coming as well. So Rory Sutherland's here. Do you agree? Do you not agree? Yeah, yeah, I sort of agree. I tend to agree with what he says, you know, that, that Michael just didn't really have the legs and, and yeah, and, you know, as, and as going back to Michael's grab, you know, they didn't have, um, they lost riders early. They lost two early, mm-hmm. two, two riders early on, two midway. So, look, it was a tough day for the Aussies. It's been a tough, um, you know, it's been a tough Olympics and Worlds yep. this year for the Aussies. Take out Rowan Dennis's medal in the time trial. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's been a tough year and there's been a fair bit of scrutiny yep. and comments and opinions, more so about the Olympics but there has been, hasn't there? There's been plenty of question marks about the but you national know what, program. What I like on this, though, is uh, for all the off-the-record chats we have, uh, I'm also hearing a lot of positive vision for the next year or so. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, this this is not necessarily all doom and gloom. It no, might just I don't be, think it's doom and gloom. You know? I, I don't think it is. If Yeah. It might just be a bad turn of events and well, the results are not showing up they this haven't year. Had, but, uh, I, think, I think, to be really fair, we expect the Aussies to win. Don't we? Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're a sporting nation and we love our cycling and certainly at Olympics and stuff like that, we expect Australians to win. So if they don't win, we say fail. Yeah, It's a fail. <laughs> I don't think they've had a shocker. Mm-hmm. They haven't had a disastrous um, world champs here. You know, um, yeah, they haven't won medals, but I don't think it's been a disaster. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, you just, you, it's all, it's form on the day as well. You can have, you can just have a little bit of luck, a little bit of bad luck. You have a day where your body doesn't agree with the temperature; it just goes into shutdown mode. These things happen. So, no, I think you know, yeah, we're critiquing um, the results or lack of of the Aussies, but at the same time, or from my perspective, it's it's a, it's complimenting them as athletes that you know they're striving for and and absolutely we're in the frame to get a medal, um, and they didn't. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and before we talk about the women and, of course, the up-and-coming uh, Paris-Roubaix, one last question on the men's race. Sagan, that that circuit was pretty much made for him. Yeah. If he was the Sagan of the greater years. 
but he didn't finish anywhere near no. uh, the, the top. Uh, what do we read in this? And the fact that he's moving next year to Total Energies. Uh, so he's not getting team. any younger, is he? Yeah. We keep thinking he's young because he's like this young kid still, flamboyant. Yeah. And yeah, but look, I think we've seen the best of Peter Sagan. I think we'll still uh, see. Do you agree with me? That was a circuit. Oh, 100%. Foreign. You know, like it's. Sagan at his best. He would have, he would have ridden away. He would have ridden away with Alaphilippe yeah. and probably beaten him in the sprint. Yeah, but that that's that's yeah that that's crystal ball stuff that mm-hmm. we'd love to see. Sagan's had his error. He's won three world champs. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's sort of. You know, sometimes I always shut commentators down when they say this, and I'm about to say it now. It's a little bit sad if we we've seen the best of Sagan. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be because the amount of races and the amount of joy the guy has given us, you know, ultimately, I hope we all just go back and celebrate his successes and we will. He and might, I think all, all cycling his, commentators will. He might, he might still have one or two. Oh, him, 100%. You know? <laughs> I'd, I'd still love to see him. He, look, he could win Paris Bay. Yeah, exactly. If he's riding this weekend. I haven't I don't know if looked exactly on the start list. He could. He's won it. He's mm-hmm. won it before. He so. could win it. And we go, gee, you know, and, he, and Sagan's, he's made us eat our words before because he's such a superstar. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it's blue, but it is an era that's slowly changing. Yeah, 100%. So let's talk about the woman. And if we are looking at, specifically look at, at the winner, Elisa Balsamo, uh, probably would have been hard to pick her from the start line as a winner of the, the world of the of the world title, let's be fair. Uh, and, but what a sprint. And how she beat Mariana Vos. Yeah. Mariana Vos, six times second on I the world. I didn't know that stat. <laughs> six I knew she'd had a few, but six. Yeah. She looked That's annoyed. insane. She looked annoyed. But let's concentrate on the winner. Whoa. Let's listen to uh, the new world champion for the year, Elisa Balsamo. You world champion. Can, can you believe it? Can you, can you understand what's going on right now? No, sorry. I, I'm totally speechless. I have no word to describe this feeling. And yes, it's unbelievable. This morning when you woke up, did you feel that maybe you had the legs to be world champion? I don't know. It was a dream for me after this long season and my team was so, so, so good. Without them, this jersey wasn't possible. So, uh, yes, uh, my, my team were so, so good. And sorry, I have no word. <laughs> Can you explain that, that sprint? Perfectly set, out, set up by, by your teammates and you beat Mariana Vos. Yes, uh, my team made a perfect lead out. I really believe in them. And yes, then after the last corner, I only switch off my brain and say, you have to go full gas. Not watch behind the start at the correct point and go full gas. You were junior world champion already, but this is, this is the crown, the crowning of, 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 of a career, but you're still young. Who did you think about when you realized that you were world champion? Uh, I think that I need some days to realize today. And yes, next year with this jersey, uh, uh, I don't know, it's a dream. Uh, the, the family at home, the friends, they must be going crazy right now watching you on TV? Yes, my boyfriend is here and my parents are watching at home. And I want to say a really big thanks to all my family, my coach, my t- nutrition and all my team because without them, uh, maybe today I cannot be there. 
you don't know yet, but your life has changed, no? Yes, <laughs> I think so. But yes, as I said before, I think I need some days or maybe months to realize this. <laughs> Celebrate well. Grazie. Thank you so much. This is our new world champion. Uh, surprise? Not surprise? No, definitely surprised. Um, look, if I can just reel off a few little stats about this young woman. She's 23 years of age, so mm -hmm. she's, she, you know, she's a baby really in the context of whether it be men's or women's um, elite road cycling. But she's got some pedigree because she's a former junior world champion. Mm -hmm. um, and this year, I thought, gee, has she actually won? Did she actually win a race this year? She did. She had a victory really early on. But that victory really is irrelevant because she was third in Brabant's Appeal. So one of the early season classics yep. up north. Fourth in Ghent Wevelgem. She was fifth in the OxyClean Bruges World Cup race for women. She was seventh in Alfredo Binder, which is another World Cup race for the women, all one-day races. So you look at those results and you go, well, actually, On paper, we, sh we yeah. shouldn't be surprised. Yeah. And what? But there's another element to this, or there's two other sides to it that I think, again, just shows the sort of groundswell of women's cycling. And this is, I think, really exciting, is that in that last... 20, 30 kilometers, we had all these attacks happening, mm -hmm. all this sort of stuff happening. And then there was a minute, there was, a, there was suddenly at a point, I can't tell you exactly where it was out of memory, but the Italians suddenly realized, hang on, we can keep this together. And they just switched, they switched their tactic and they went all in for Balsamo because they believe she was the quickest. So to me, very rarely have you seen that in women's cycling. You've seen the Dutch dominate and they sort of dominate with force and have control. Yes, they've done it in the past. But what we're seeing now is women's racing at the highest level starting to race a little bit more like the men in terms of we're seeing depth. Mm -hmm. So they had the depth then to control that race and control some incredible riders. Annemiek van Vluten, they literally took control. Yeah. Voss got on the wheel and Voss, you know, as good as she is, and Voss probably in her head thought, I've got this. Yeah. And she probably barely knew who Battlesamo was and then she couldn't get past her sort yep. of rear wheel, could she? And so what, what we've seen is firstly a rider that none of us expected to win. I think that shows mm -hmm. the sport's healthy. Um, and then the way in which they executed it. Was and great. also, uh, th there's really a correlation between uh, the men and the women's race where the Belgium team was super dominant for the men. The Dutch team was super dominant for the women. They were, all of them were there. I think yeah. the, the, all the riders, the whole of the Netherlands team was there in the end. And yeah. the, Italian, the Italians managed to beat them. Yeah. And I, I thought the, I can't pinpoint it exactly. I think they made a couple of small errors, the women, the Dutch women. I thought, I mean, they're sitting ducks in a way because they've been the dominant country, you know, for, for years now. And look, they made that error at yep. the Olympics. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that they, they didn't catch that that early escapee uh, that went on to win. Um, when uh, Anamiki fought, she won. Yeah, she exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's right. No race radio. No race radio. Yeah. Again. So, but I thought they made a couple of small errors. Um, but all in all, it was a great race. It yeah. was an exciting race. And, um, you know, as, as for the Aussie women, um, Rach Nalen, I thought was super. Yeah. The result really is not a reflection of, I thought, how she rode. Um, you know, she was 25th, actually, same placing as Michael Matthews in mm -hmm. the men. She was 25th, but she was only 45 seconds off the winner. And there was an, there was a 
point with about 10 kilometres to go, maybe a bit further. She got to the front. She attacked immediately. And then there was another counterattack, and she covered that move, or she went across to it. And I thought, oh, you're going deep here. Like, you've, had to, you've gone twice. You've had to go deep in the red zone. Mm-hmm. There was only 15 women left at that yeah. point. And then Annemiek van Vluten attacked over the top of her, and that put Rach in the red zone, and like deep. It, yeah. And she got dropped. And she sort of she got dropped from that really select group. So then she went back to the next group and never got back. And that cost her. But mm-hmm. look, I think Rach Nalen at, uh, forgive me, Rach, 39, 40 years of age. How um, rude. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Make her how but rude. This is, she wound back the clock. Yeah. And absolutely. so super proud of her. Let's know, listen to her, actually. Yeah. I've got a grub. Let's listen to her. It was such a hard race from the beginning. And obviously, it was, it was pretty challenging. It was long, it was technical. Um, yeah, I think we rode really well as a team. Um, but yeah, we were just pretty outnumbered in the end. And I tried to follow um, some, some good attacks. But in the end, it's a bit of a gamble when when they're a little bit outnumbered. So I tried um, a nice attack in the, in the final lap. And um, and that one, that move was counted. Um, and then I just I just gave it everything in the final. But sometimes you just need to make a, a bit of a gamble. But I knew I had good legs. And I guess I need to be happy in the end with my performance but it's still frustrating when you when you're so close to the front group at the end um yeah so it's a yeah i feel i feel happy like to have a strong performance but in the end yeah just a bit disappointed that i was yeah a little bit i came up a bit short in the end mixed feelings exactly um but look i was on already from kilometer zero like i had quite an early role in the race so um yeah i just I guess I tried to, I positioned myself well um, during the day and yeah, tried to go with the right moves and just try to be smart with my energy and I think that's what really gets you through on the course like this is just um, trying to trying to be smart and, and um, yeah, and just go deep because it was a really hard race. It's long, um, it's technical, um, you have, there's a lot of accelerations in the, in the final 20, 30 kilometers um, after a hard race. So, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a challenging course all around. So, just got to be ready to dig deep and, and be ready for a long, hard day. Thanks. So, that was Rachel Nyland. And you, say, uh, you said before, she's winding up the clock. The clock, uh, she just signed a big contract with a big team. Well, I don't know if it's big, but it's a contract with a big team at yeah. least. With Cofidis. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. It's great. And we're going to stop slamming Cofidis now, you know. <laughs> hey, I stopped, There's too many I stopped the last two years. Um, There's too many Aussies in I know. Now. We want to get interviews with them. So, yeah, yeah. No, we love Cofidis. And we always we're thought, always we always thought they were on the right path. <laughs> Slow burn. Um, um, no, I was going to say, and um, look, I traded a couple of messages with Rach, basically just telling her a great ride. I thought it was a great, great effort. And she said, I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, but she said one more big year, Macca. Mm-hmm. So she's got her eyes on Wollongong. She's got her eyes on Wollongong and and Com Games. And let's just remember, Rach was she got the silver I think in 2012 okay. in Holland yeah. to Mariana Voss. Uh-huh. She took the silver there. So she's a bit of a world champ specialist. Like she she steps up to the big league on those one day races. So I'd love to see her. Um, you know, round out her career with a big one at Wollongong. That'd be super. Yeah, absolutely. And then let's finish on the world. Wollongong next year. Uh, yes. When you see the crowds that we saw over the weekend in Belgium, let's not comment about the COVID management <laughs> in this country, but that's different. Oh. But when you see they've the crowds... They've got to be a bit nervous. <laughs> yeah. The Wollongong organisers. That was let's my just, question. Yeah. How nervous do you think they are in replicating the 
popular joy that we saw and what are the constraints today to make sure that it's a festival of cycling well, in a year's time? Well, how about, we put a, how about I put this spin on it? Yeah. Six months ago, I think they would have been ready to cancel. Yeah. I think right now they're probably feeling more optimistic. Or trying to swap with another, you know, another year or something. No, no, I think I think I, I feel optimistic at that. And you know what do we know? You yeah. and I don't know anything other than you, our, our great listeners who are listening to us. But I think the world's next September, October yeah. mm-hmm. in Australia will happen. And I think with open crowds, I think they have to. It mm-hmm. has to. I think enough time has passed, and so I think they'll be feeling they'll be a bit nervous, but I think they'll be thinking more optimistic. But we should be excited. The world is not every oh. year. The world are coming here. Yeah, uh, ten years. Yeah, that uh, was twenty ten. So it'll be f- fact. It'll be... Fact. My first cycling and sport assignment was at the World in Geelong. No way. Yes, looping the loop, my friend. No way. Yeah, that was my first thing. Damn. I got four fines and driving down and up. <laughs> four <laughs> fines? <Yeah. laughs> On the motorway. Oh, that's a different no. story. Mate, that's notorious. Yeah. The Melbourne Geelong. I tell you what. The, I didn't um, know at the time. The, I learned the hard way. Yeah, state government. That's how they fund the actual rest of the year, I think. Uh, yeah, that, that, that one strip of road. <laughs> so thanks uh, for your contribution. Yeah, yeah no problem. You're um, welcome. Uh, now, it will be exciting. Okay, uh, any other news? I think we, we just touched on the, 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 the transfer that uh, Rachel Nalen had. Uh, if we can just quickly rewind on... On, on some of the of the transfer before we head to uh, to the Paris Roubaix. Yes, yeah. Look, and this isn't all of them. There's just a, a few. Um, the latest one that we've sort of heard is Vincenzo Nibali back to Astana. Yeah, who would have thought this? No way. Yeah. <laughs> no way. He's he's sort of he's milking a cow, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> the last year, good on him. I'm not I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Good on him. If they want to pay him a bucket load of money, yeah. great. Um, I'll tell you what, transfer window. We don't know where this guy is going or what he'll be doing. Miguel Angel Lopez. But remember, the window is coming soon. He got sacked by yeah. Movistar. They had a mutual agreement, but let's be honest, he got sacked because he withdrew two days out from the end of the Vuelta. Yeah. He threw the toys out of the cot and he had a bit of a meltdown. And, and I'm not saying that as mm-hmm. a, you know, there's some psychological stuff there. So I say that with a tone of seriousness to it. I hope he finds a squad. And it'd be a real shame if we don't see Miguel Angel Lopez yeah. in the peloton, in the pro peloton next year. Yeah. Um, so I hope he finds somewhere. Rob Stannard, Green Edge, yeah. through and through. I say Green Edge because they keep they've changed their names names. over the years. So Bike Exchange, Alperson Phoenix. So he joins Jay Vine, of course, the team of Matthew Vanderpol. Yeah. So I think that's great for Rob Stannard. Uh, George Bennett. This is one we've already mentioned. He's going to UAE. Uh, so he's going from Yumbo Visma to UAE to bolster move. the climbing yep. stocks for Tadej Pogacar. Yep. And I reckon bolster his bank account as well. <laughs> so good on you, George. Yep. Flying the Kiwi, good on him. I mean, he's a super domestique and he deserves he deserves to earn top dollar, mm-hmm. I think. The other Bennett, Sam Bennett, that continues on with Patrick yeah, Lefebvre, yeah, doesn't it? It's not stop. I it's mean, not finished. <laughs> it's, it's a good soap, soap yeah. opera, isn't it? It's hilarious. Um, but Bennett, and he's taking with him Shane Archbold, another Kiwi, Back to Bora Hansgrohe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to see Bennett get some big victories next year in spite of Patrick Lefebvre. I yeah. think it's been disgraceful the way he's spoken about Bennett in the press. Um, I think I think some of it's been really uncalled for. Uh, Sarah Roy, Canyon Shram. Correct, yeah. She's doing a... Another tiff. Aussie female leaving bike exchange. Yeah. I think Is there that's... anything going on there? I don't know. I'm but, throwing uh, it out there. Yeah. <laughs> Question. Is there anything going Grace on? Grace Brown's there? left. Yep. Yeah. To Groupama. Sarah Roy's left. Sarah Roy's left. 
So they tried to get Sarah Gigante. Mm -hmm. They couldn't sign her. No, she wanted to. She wanted to learn from Annemiek van Vleuten. Yeah, correct. Yeah. And the Movi star set up, I guess, um, interested at her. So, but they've got some. They got a few sort of holes, gaps to fill. I think yep. that's a fair call. Mm-hmm. I think it's a fair comment. And I just wonder if there's anything more going on there. It'd be interesting to watch, actually, that too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And uh, this concludes the end of part one of this podcast this week, all about the world, because, of course, we got the Hell of the North coming up later on this week. Paris-Roubaix, the queen of the classics, which are going to be on SBS. And Maka and I will dissect the race for both the men and the women later on this week on the part two of this podcast released this Friday. Thank you for tuning in. This was the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Before we go, let me remind you that you can download, stream or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Until next time, which is again part two of this podcast on Friday, it's bye for now. Before we go, a quick word from our sponsor, Zwift. When it comes to sport, I always tell my kids, rule number one, have fun. On Zwift, fun is fast. Tour de France winner, Geraint Thomas uses it. So too does Mathieu van der Poel. And Australia's Neve Bradbury Zwifted her way to a World Tour contract. One of my favourite things on Zwift is seeing the flags of people from all around the globe that I get the chance to ride with. I love the structured workouts, doing meet-up rides with friends, and when I'm feeling strong, doing a few races. They definitely hurt, but they are fun. It's easy to get started. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Visit Zwift.com, and hopefully I'll see you on there soon. Ride on.